I'm joined by Mike James. Mike, how are you doing today? We sat down and had a Skype call like this and recorded a podcast. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what's what changed. Yeah, no promises on quality. Uh, it's still going to take a, a little bit of time to find our footing because it, it has been a while. It's been a busy couple months for both of us. What have we been up to? So I, I was in the U.S. for a total of four weeks um, after the move and traveled around, um, you know, east all the way over to west, finally ended up in L.A. and then up to San Francisco before flying home. And I flew home and I was, uh, you know, in the U.K. for I think a total of 48 hours before I jumped on a plane and started flying around Europe to do more conferences and more user groups. So my feet haven't really touched the, touched the floor for the last two months now. So I've had four days at home, um, and I fly tomorrow to Helsinki actually, uh, but I've had four days at home um, to, to relax and do some coding. So I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, but you have had some rather large life events in the last few months, haven't you? Yeah, well, when you look at your life, there's like when you get born, when, when you get born, when you're born, um, you know, maybe your 16th birthday when you can get a car, 18th birthday, when you go to college, your 21st birthday. And then after that, it's kind of like decades. And then when you die, which is the worst one. Um, you get your pension. That's a pretty big deal. 65, that's true. Or as it, as it continues to grow in the U.S. Uh, to, towards 70. Um, I got married. I got married on May 14th. Uh, I'd been engaged for about a year and a half uh, to my beautiful now wife, uh, then fiance. And uh, we got married. And so... The whole beginning of this year has just been insane because we got we got acquired uh, by Microsoft in February. It was announced that we were acquired in February. Then we move into March. Uh, me, you, and James were working on an app for Microsoft Build, uh, an IoT application uh, that analyzed uh, driving habits. So we were busy working on that all the time. It was crazy. Uh, the acquisition had just happened. And then right after Build, right, we move on to Evolve. There's a whole bunch of stuff we have to do in preparation for Evolve. We have Evolve. And then after that, that's kind of like the first time I'd gotten a chance to take a breath this year. And uh, then I got married. Um, and so now I'm finally getting back into the swing of things. But it feels like the first six months of this year just went by. Like, it's the middle of June. Like, where did this year go? Yeah, completely agree. Um, you know, I'd, I'd actually forgotten all about the, the work that we did for Build. Because, you know, that such long days just sat in meetings and then cramming in an hour you know 45 minutes to an hour between meetings to actually write some code so that in the next meeting when they ask for progress that you would actually have some progress um, yeah I think we had a meeting or at least in eastern time we had a meeting at like 12 so at noon and then we had another one at three and so of course the meeting at 12 sometimes can last an hour it's one o'clock you know you got to go eat lunch or whatever it's 132 by the time you get back and uh, you have 45 minutes like you said to write some code uh, but those were, those were long days. Those were like 10, 12 hour days for about a month and a half there while we got ready for build and evolve. Yeah, but the app looks great actually in the end. I was, I was pretty pleased with how it came, came along and, uh, you know, Microsoft are using it to, as an example showcase of how you should be building Xamarin apps that have an Azure backend. Um, so it's a pretty good architecture to, to base everything else off. And some of the stuff that I picked up through working with the Azure team 
on that app I'm now using in my other little play apps that I'm building, um, such as, uh, what have I called it? Uh, well, we've got beer drinking, which we've always known about, but then we've also got another app called Bait News, um, which uses app service. Um, but that, that's pretty much finished, but I'll, I'll release that in the coming weeks so that people can have a play with it, but that's pretty fun. Yeah, and my driving is the name of that application. And it, like Mike said, great architectural example because people always ask. I think this is an area we kind of lack in. Architecture, our docs is, aren't great at explaining how we architect apps and that sort of thing. So when people ask me, you know, how should we architect Xamarin applications, I always point them to that app. And the cool thing about that app is you've been seeing probably a lot of form samples from us and like big forms apps, uh, which makes a lot of sense. But uh, this is actually built using the traditional Xamarin approach. Um, so we built up the UI for each particular platform using all the you know native stuff for each platform. So on iOS, we use storyboards. Mike built a beautiful UI for the iOS application. Android, we use the Android Designer, and uh, Windows, we use XAML. So that's a great example of a large-scale uh, consumer application built using the traditional Xamarin approach. And then at Evolve, we had the Evolve Conference app, which has like 90% code share, and that's built using Forms in Azure. So we have two great examples of using Azure with either the traditional Xamarin approach or the uh, Forms approach. Yeah, although we, I should add that both of those approaches, they're using Azure, but it's with an ASP.NET backend. So there's two ways you can run your backend. You can do it with Node.js uh, or with ASP.NET. Um, if you're looking for some examples of, you know, how can I do Azure without all the heavy lifting of ASP.NET, we do also have some other samples, so you should definitely check out our blog, uh, blog.xamarin.com, because that's where we normally post. Um, but yeah, you know, I was also, whilst we are on the subject of Azure, I was looking at PARS and running managed PARS in Azure. Mm -hmm. um, really expensive. Super surprised. Really? By, yeah, super surprised by that. Because, you know, I associate PARS with being free because I never had to pay for it when <laughs> Facebook had it. Um, yeah, it was like one million requests was free or something crazy like that. Yeah, as we were joking earlier, you know, social networks are basically the only business in, in the world that is allowed to, you know, continue to get investment without any plans for revenue. Um, so naturally, their cloud service had no real means of earning cash. But anyway, yeah. so I was like, well, how do I take my existing PARS apps? Because I've got a, a handful. And how do I bring those over to Azure? we're looking at like £150 a month. When you add on all the different services that it's running on top of, it gets pretty expensive. Like, it was substantially cheaper to just have a Node.js app service instance and use easy tables, which are just as easy as PARS, than it was to actually host a PARS instance with, you know, DocumentDB, where it's throwing all the data and the notification hubs and all of the other stuff that it has to pull in in order to get it configured. So, uh, yeah, I should probably write a blog post on that at some point. Um, but, yeah, it's quite interesting that PARS is so much more expensive than just going with vanilla app service, even though yeah, PARS is. is meant to be running on top of app service. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, but like you mentioned, I mean, the web API stuff is great. It's actually pretty interesting because... At the beginning of this year, when uh, when we started building the Evolve app, uh, I had literally no backend experience. I'm, I'm pretty new to development. I, I just started programming less than five years ago. And so I don't have tons of experience. And so this was my first backend I'd ever built ever. And it was going to be used uh, by thousands of conference attendees. And I got something up and running with post notifications, custom authentication, that sort of thing in two weeks. 
And the crazy thing is you were mentioning how expensive running the managed parse was in Azure. We had over 1 million requests uh, during Evolve and the weeks leading up to Evolve uh, on that back end. And the total cost for all of that, push notifications, custom auth, all the data it's serving in those 1 million requests, $35. Like that's pretty crazy. A million yeah. requests for $35. And it scaled up and down. I mean, we weren't running full instances. Like, we weren't running max VMs, you know, in the middle of the night when no one was using the application, especially because it was centralized uh, to, to Orlando, Florida. And so it was easy, easy to scale up and scale down automatically. Me and James didn't even think about it. And, uh, yeah, $35 later, we were like, dang, that's crazy. Uh, Adrian, one of the uh, PMs, senior PMs for Azure, actually showed me how to do it. And I was, you know, expecting it to be a couple hundred dollars. Because I've had some Azure VMs I've set up before, forgot about them, and next thing I know, you know, you got a bill for 15 bucks. You're like, I didn't even put anything on that. And so he showed me, and we actually went in, and I was like, oh my gosh, this can't be right. And it was right, $35, that was it. Pretty crazy. That's only going to get cheaper as well. If you look at things like um, Azure Functions. With yes. Azure Functions, that's running on top of something, and I don't know if this is the official name for it, but this is certainly what it's called within Redmond. It's uh, called... Uh, dynamic compute and the idea of it is that you shouldn't really ever care about the servers and instances that your app is running on you just have a block of code that you want to execute and it doesn't matter you know how if you've got five six million people calling into it at once it should just scale up to the correct its size infrastructure it actually needs in order to service those number of users and as soon as it's done scale back down so you only pay for the CPU usage and the RAM usage so I think the long-term plan will be to kind of bring app service over to that model. Uh, it's certainly the way that most Azure uh, services are moving now. And you can kind of see this with like uh, cognitive services as well. You just pay for what you use. Um, so yeah, I think that bill, that $35, would come even lower if we do another Evolve. Obviously, I'm not saying either way. But if we did one and we would we were using dynamic compute, that, that bill would be even less because there were obviously times when the back end was still running even though we weren't actually using it. Um, so I, I think that's amazing, dynamic compute. Very, very excited about it. Yeah, Azure has quickly become one of our favorite things to mess around with. And all the little, we, we find new services and things that we didn't even know existed every single day. And me and Mike are always messaging on Slack, like, oh, we need to try this. Like, I just tried out the recommendations API and Microsoft Cognitive Services, which isn't one of the popular ones because there's always like a motion and there's like all these other ones. And recommendations, to be fair, is not one of the simpler uh, cognitive services that they offer, but it's still pretty crazy, um, some of the stuff you can do with Azure. But we've gone way off the rails. Um, but that's okay. That's the Xamarin podcast for you. Um, so what we're here to talk about today is um, the next huge stable release of the Xamarin platform, uh, which happened last Wednesday at .NET Comp Cycle 7. Um, and Cycle 7 is just a name, uh, a grouping of all these, total, of all these things that come uh, into fruition at the same time. Um, from all the different Xamarin products, whether it's Xamarin Studio, Visual Studio, Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android, Xamarin Mac, even Mono, um, all those things, uh, months and months of work, some, in some cases up to a year's worth of work, uh, finally coming to the stable channel. Uh, Mike, what are some of your favorite things in Cycle 7? Well, I've got one favorite thing, actually, but that, in turn, has a lot of things that I'm just blown away by, and it's, it's Xamarin Studio 6. Yep. It's, yep. I, I've always been a Xamarin Studio fan, even when it was mono developed, you know, versus using that versus Xcode, it was always a delight. 
But I was always envious of the dark theme in Visual Studio. I always liked the look of that. Um, and with, with version 6 of Xamarin Studio, which is released in Cycle 7, a little confusing, but easy enough, um, we now have the dark theme. We had a designer create, what was it, 5, 000, over 5,700 icons uh, yep. for the IDE. Yep. Like, he, he worked on that for like a year plus. It might have even been 18 months ago that we started talking about the dark theme. And he's just been hard at work creating these icons. And I've got to tell you, he's not been the same since. That kind of thing does... does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even, I, I love the dark theme too. Uh, and it's, I don't know, I mean, it's definitely a mental thing, but I feel more productive, oddly enough, when I'm in the dark theme, it's definitely a mental thing. But like, seriously, I mean, I have to stare at, you know, if you're a developer, you're staring at your IDE for hours on hours on hours. Uh, you, it's it's helpful if it's pretty to look at and it doesn't hurt your eyes and that sort of thing. And uh, the dark theme is beautiful. Like you said, over 5,700 new icons. And that's not just for the dark theme. So if you're not a really a dark theme type of guy, you know, there's a light theme. They've completely re redone all the icons for the light theme as well. Style it a little bit to be a little bit more modern. So Xamarin Studio in general, whether you're a light theme or dark theme type of guy or girl, um, gets a new look, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and there's been other huge increases in, in, in terms of productivity, not just through like the styling of it, but through the iOS designer. And this is, this is something I find very interesting because it's actually changed the way that I work. And I didn't think that, I didn't expect that from this release, to be honest. I expected it at some point in the future. Um, so normally when I'm building my traditional style apps, and this is a huge confession to make, I would normally have loaded up Xcode to edit my user interface. And that's purely just because I was more comfortable creating auto layouts and designing in Xcode because that's what I had always done. And I found myself to be faster and you know the whole process to be faster when using Xcode and then saving that back into Xamarin Studio. But now I just don't open Xcode. I can do everything, literally everything I need to do within the iOS designer built into Xamarin Studio and it's so, so fast. I, I don't know what the, the guys on the designer team have done, but they've made it like, they've, they've shoved a rocket in it. It is so much faster than it used to be. Um, a lot of the little issues, like it used to be that if I try and drag a label like by one pixel, it would shoot off the view controller and it would now have like a, an X position of minus a thousand. I haven't hit any issues like that since, since uh, upgrading. The whole thing is just so much more, so much faster and so much more stable. Um, massive, massive fan of this release. Yeah, I'm pr I mean, I'm almost positive that they rewrote a lot of the performance logic behind the design surface of both the Android and iOS designers. Uh, so if you upgrade to Cycle 7, you should see some pretty, uh, which you can do by switching to the stable channel in either Visual Studio or Xamarin Studio. Or uh, just Googling Cycle 7 Xamarin, there's some installers you can grab too if you don't already have it installed. But uh, I totally lost track of where I was going. I got ahead of myself, Mike. Where was I? Well, we, we were talking about Xamarin Studio's design surface being amazing and right. how you can right. install it. Um, what, what other features have you found of Xamarin Studio that you really love? So I'm really loving how we, we switched over our type system to be powered by Roslyn um, because we can now get some awesome refactorings uh, in Xamarin Studio that we didn't have before. Now, before we had some... Uh, we had what we called source analysis, and I think we still call it that. And that had some basic refactorings like extract method, rename, that sort of thing, which was nice. Um, 
But two new big things come uh, in terms of refactoring with uh, the type system now being powered by Roslyn and Xamarin Studio. Um, well, really three. Um, number one, you're going to get more refactoring. So there's going to be more refactoring options that are, uh, that are available through Roslyn. I think there's over 300 available uh, in this release, which is pretty crazy. Um, and we've also ported some of those refactorings over to Visual Studio, and those are available as an extension, which is pretty cool. Um, and additionally, before, if you wanted you know, uh, to refactor something and there were some errors in your code and that sort of thing, Xamarin Studio didn't handle that exactly in the most graceful scenario. And so Roslyn, <laughs> Roslyn really makes uh, refactoring code with errors a lot, lot cleaner. And it's pretty common, surprisingly, how much that crops up, especially with me and my typos. So that's a huge thing for me. Well, here's, here's the biggest thing is IntelliSense. So we've always called this code completion. And if you've ever seen a presentation by myself or James Montemagno, you would, or any of the evangelists, to be fair, you, you would be quite aware of the fact that we avoid saying IntelliSense. And all of our slides, in fact, when they talk about Xamarin Studio, would always have said code completion. And I need to go through, because I've still got a slide deck that says code completion. I need to change that. We now have full IntelliSense. It is the same IntelliSense that you have mm. in Visual Studio. It's using Roslyn. So... There is, no, there is no reason now why your, your build service or your, your build process will be any different on the Mac versus on PC. The IDE experience is now on par as well. So, you know, this is pretty major because a lot of people have had issues before through taking their projects from Visual Studio over to Xamarin Studio. You know, nine, nine times out of ten it just worked. But, you know, those one times out of 10 where it didn't work, those customers would be pretty upset. But with Roslyn, that fixes it. And you mentioned yep. before about, you know, broken broken state. And that's something that we, we've definitely fixed within this version of Xamarin Studio. Is that if I made an error, you know, right at the top of my class within, you know, the constructor method. One line of code wrong in there, an extra character or something. It would create like a thousand errors for me throughout the rest of the code. And I'd be like, oh man, what have I done? I've broken this, you know, I've got 5,000 errors. What, what the hell? And I would go in and I would find, you know, oh, I've added one extra semicolon. Let me delete that. And then boom, my 5,000 errors disappear. Well, now within Xamarin Studio, we'll just say, hey, this one line of code is wrong. And it, it understands, you know, the fact that you can break one line and the rest of your, your source code is still valid. Um, so that's pretty nice that, you know, you're not getting thousands of errors for one problem. Yeah, and in addition, if you're an F-sharp developer, or you're an F-sharp enthusiast, uh, there's tons of new features uh, in Xamarin Studio 6 for F-sharp developers. Um, there's new uh, Xamarin Forms F-sharp templates, pretty, pretty nifty, support for F-sharp 4, fake integration, um, support for portable class libraries that are written in F-sharp. And this one is really unique to Xamarin Studio, shared project support for F-sharp. Visual Studio doesn't even have shared project support for F-Sharp, and uh, Xamarin Studio 6 is the first IDE to offer shared project support for F-Sharp. Now, I'm a bit of a PCL truther, uh, or a shared project truther, I guess you'd say, in that I try to avoid them like the plague, um, because I end up doing horrible, horrible things uh, when I have to use a shared project that I don't do when I'm using a PCL. But if you're a shared projects type of guy, and you're an F-Sharp type of guy, Xamarin Studio 6 is the IDE for you. And there's tons of other little tiny things in there as well. There's updates to NuGet, a new project module so that 
when you're switching back and forth between Xamarin Studio and Visual Studio, maybe you have teams working in different IDEs, you're, you're going to notice a, a lot cleaner uh, uh, a lot cleaner movement between the two. You're not going to notice a lot of issues with opening solutions that were created in one ID and then trying to use it in the other. Um, there's some enhanced debugging support, support for tvOS, and a whole bunch of other things uh, in Xamarin Studio 6. But there's also been some updates to Xamarin for Visual Studio as well. Yeah, well, the uh, the designer has got some improvements, um, again, from the code from Xamarin Studio working its way over to Visual Studio. Um, there, there's been some improvements with WatchKit support, from my understanding. Um, I'm not sure where we're at in terms of getting a release out now for WatchKit, um, because you know Apple has brought in this rule of you know longer allowed to ship WatchKit apps if uh, it's using version or targeting OS one versus OS two, and OS two has the uh, the bitcode uh, requirement. So I'm not sure where we're at. I think we were going to release a preview last week. Is, are we releasing that this week now? I'm not sure so something like that. that. Yeah, it will come soon. But the, just know that when we do ship it, the the Visual Studio experience of deploying WatchKit applications is, is greatly improved. We've uh, we fixed some issues there. And we've also got, and and this isn't really a part of Cycle Seven, but certainly something I want to talk about if we're talking Visual Studio, is the the iOS simulator. Now I'm not sure if you've had a chance to play with this on a touch enabled PC, but the experience is delightful and um, you know I have been I, I am a long time Apple fan I'm saying this sat in my Apple t-shirt that I bought at one infinite loop it has a little finder happy face on the front it's a little bit too see-through as t-shirts goes but hey ho but yeah huge Apple fan but this whole being able to just work on the PC thing that's kind of tempting me because Visual Studio is a great IDE to write all of my apps in, you know, with ReSharper, I'm super productive. The reason I haven't jumped on it in the past is that experience of building mobile apps and having to switch over to the Mac to see it in the simulator, or the alternative is having a long USB cable, and then I'm always deploying to device, which takes forever because it's the ahead of time compilation rather than jitting. Whereas now I can just, you know, in Visual Studio hit build, and deploy to the simulator and it will launch the simulator on my machine and I can use the touch screen to interact with it and I am such a huge fan like I've, I've requested from IT that they ship me a desktop PC I'm like I love my surface but I want a proper powerful machine to be doing this now because this, this could genuinely be my day-to-day -day workhorse now Windows 10 Visual Studio and the Mac may just sit on the network um, and that as I say yeah been an Apple user forever. Yeah, and I mean, both of us have been doing a lot more uh, back-end development, so that means using Web API, and the most pleasant experience for that is obviously in Visual Studio. Also been doing a little bit of UWP stuff, um, so obviously it makes sense that we'd be in Visual Studio too, so we've both been spending a lot more time in Visual Studio, and so that was announced at uh, Microsoft Build. Uh, we, we demoed it a bit further at, at uh, Xamarin Evolve, and that's actually, as Mike said, available as a preview. Uh, so if you want to go get that, you can just Google Xamarin iOS Simulator Windows, um, click on the first link, and it'll take you to a, a download. Download it, install it. So uh, yeah, there is an option to tick within the, the settings to say that you want to deploy to the remote iOS simulator, which is the one running on Windows. Uh, if you don't tick that, then by default, you'll still be launching over on the Mac. So you need to make sure that you've got that selected. Um, we're also bringing USB remoting. Um, it's going to come in a future release. 
But what it will mean is that we can connect our iPhones and iPads to our PC directly in front of us. And even if the, ser if the Mac server is, you know, in our bottom drawer, or maybe it's in a data center somewhere and you're hosting it or renting minutes of it, um, we'll remote that USB connection over to the Mac so that you can deploy straight to your physical device without ever having to see the Apple uh, hardware. So that, that's, you know, pretty, pretty interesting in terms of experience for developers because as I say we Mac developers don't have multi-touch we want to test these multi-touch features we've actually got to deploy to the device um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Apple do with because you know we released rendering controls live within our iOS designer and then about six months later they released that at WWDC uh, for Xcode with the IB uh, designable uh, attribute that you can add so I don't see how they can add multi-touch support uh, without hardware revisions, and I've heard no rumours of touch coming to Mac. So I think this may remain a pretty Windows-exclusive feature. Um, and then in addition to all the improvements to IDEs, there's also been improvements to Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, one of my favorites is uh, the fact that both iOS and Android, Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android, are now going to be using... Uh, native HTTP client handlers by default, which is pretty awesome. So if you've heard of modern HTTP client, which we've talked about in a previous podcast, I was think it was like building resilient network apps or something like that. Something really marketing, marketing-y sounding um, as a title. Uh, basically what modern HTTP client used to do or still does, I guess, is it took everything we love about HTTP client as uh, .NET developers and it said, okay, uh, that's awesome, but we want the performance gains of using the actual uh, platform-specific uh, network handlers. And so what it did is it essentially wrapped those with HTTP, HTTP client. And so now that's actually included by default in Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android. So you're going to see some pretty massive uh, performance gains from this, uh, especially if you're doing a lot of networking, um, which is pretty cool. It's kind of like a footnote in the release, but I think it, it's pretty awesome because all apps use you know, the network to download information. And uh, this is a pretty subtle change that you're probably going to see some results uh, and increases in speed. Yeah, and if you need to turn it off, it's just a checkbox as well. There's no hoops yeah. to jump through in order to get it configured. Because that's also one yeah. of the reasons I never jumped on the HTTP modern client thing, was that you had to swap out some implementation details to get it to work. And yeah. I always just, you know aired on the side of caution when messing around with your network stack because if you break it then you've majorly sausaged most of your app um so yeah the fact that it's just one checkbox and as you say it's on by default so you may want to go in and change that uh, but if you've got existing projects naturally we're not going to turn it on for you you will need to go into the the, the settings and change that uh, yourself both iOS and An both Xamarin iOS and Android have also gotten uh, some cool uh, optimizations from a performance and size reduction standpoint. Uh, both uh, Xamarin iOS 9.8 and A Xamarin Android 6.1, uh, you're going to see some uh, decreased size of the assembly, which is pretty cool. Some improvements to the linker, which are going to make it your apps even apps binaries even smaller. Um, and then uh, from a Xamarin Android perspective, there's a new Java invocation architecture, which sounds really fancy, but uh, really what you need to take away from that is you're going to see some uh, 
performance gains and some speed tests up to 37% for particular things. I mean, obviously you're not gonna see that across the board, but for certain types of operations, you're gonna see you know, a sizable increase in performance, which is really cool as well. 37% is, you know, that's a pretty considerable speed bump. Oh yeah. I'm actually Googling it right now so I can get the specifics for everyone. So literally just through upgrading to cycle seven, you're gonna get a 37% speed increase in your Android app. Or if that's not a reason to upgrade, I don't know what is. All right, well, I'm a, I'm a slow Googler, so you'll have to go look, look for yourself. But if you go to releases.xamarin.com, this is just a cool resource to have in general if you're always wondering, you know, what's the current status of, of different releases? What are some known issues? That sort of thing. The release blog is a great place to go. It's going to have all that information for you. And we really go into a, a bit more in depth into our release process than we do on the official Xamarin blog. Uh, and then finally, uh, something that's that's pretty cool um, is a new Mac OS X universal installer. And you might say, Pierce, that that's not really cool. It's an installer. And uh, I would tell you, have you ever tried to uh, set up Android uh, after you've uh, downloaded Xamarin and, and tried to install everything and make sure you have all the SDKs and all the emulators and everything? It's just a horrible process. And that's if you know what you're doing. If you're brand new to mobile development, it's gonna find you're gonna find it completely overwhelming, and you may just you know give up entirely. Um, but we have a new installer that's actually gonna install a lot of new stuff for you. It's gonna use the new improved Android emulators from Google, um, which are based on the x86 Haxum um, hardware stuff, and uh, on average around ten times faster than the the stock Android emulators. So that's pretty crazy, and they have some cool images for some of the new. Um, for some of the new Android devices as well, such as Android 6P, which is a beautiful device. Um, and so you're gonna get those out of the box. I actually messed around with it last night. I'm doing a talk this week at VS Live in Boston. And I wanted to take a photo of myself giving the talk uh, for one of my demos. I think it was emotion related or something. And I've always found it very difficult, although it's been technically possible to emulate a camera in, in the Android emulator. Well, with the new uh, Android emulators from Google, it's super easy. You just go to your advanced settings for that particular device, um, set the uh, front camera to, to uh, emulate it, and then launch your app, and it uses the webcam on my Mac, and uh, you can actually take photos with it, which is pretty awesome. So in this uh, podcast today, another edition of the Xamarin Podcast, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the new awesome stuff in Cycle 7. Uh, in addition to our ramblings about all the cool things we love about Azure, uh, we talked about all the new updates to Xamarin iOS, Xamarin Android, Visual Studio, and uh, namely Xamarin Studio 6, including a new dark theme and type system based on Roslyn. Uh, to get this release, uh, you can uh, update to the stable channel. Uh, in either Xamarin Studio or Visual Studio, or you can just Google uh, Cycle 7 Xamarin, and we have some installers available for you as well if you just want to do it, be the installer. So this has been another edition of the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan. And I'm Mike James. Thanks for listening. <laughs>